You're listening to a podcast from Blogging Heads TV. Hi, Mickey. Hey, Bob. <laughs> I know this one. I know this one, I think. <laughs> I was I was just sitting here and some people from Frontier Airlines came and they duct taped me to my chair. And I, I think I know why they did it. Because I'm I'm thinking of going on a road trip, but uh, I'm desperate to get out of the house. But the COVID news is so bad that they're acting in my own best interests and and in restraining me. Like I read your your newsletter and said, "Don't worry about Delta," and I was all ready to go. And then they read all this new. You know, the Frontier people must have read this new data, and it's it's very alarming. So they're they're. I feel like you know. Ulysses is he the guy who got taped to the mast? I feel like Ulysses here. Uh, that could be, could be to resist or, the siren song, or maybe it's uh, uh, Andrew Cuomo. Andrew Cuomo. We'll we'll get to him. Well, Mickey, you've really outdone yourself this time. I gotta say, I've sometimes wondered: Will the day come when Mickey's just not up for doing this gag thing? And it it doesn't <laughs> look like that day is near, judging by the amount of tape you bought uh, for our, for our podcast listeners. Mickey is, is, looks like the mummy, more or less. He has so much duct tape around his body and face. Uh, and he's I, moving in a mummified fashion. Now, did, did you see, so he, it's a reference to this, uh, passenger that they had to tape, I guess they taped to the seat, uh, Frontier Airlines, cause, because he was being a jerk. It wasn't just because, like, he wouldn't put on a mask or something. It was the way he was being. Did you see, the the thing by this uh black comedian on uh social media that that a lot of people took to be the actual steward uh, a, a guy who was actually a flight attendant and restrained the guy it would have been even funnier if that if he had been that guy as it turns out it was a comedian imitating the guy but oh no i didn't see that it's hilarious I'm it's tied so funny to a chair. i can't see anything bob what I'm tied to a chair. I can't even reach my computer. <laughs> Mickey, tell me, tell me when you want us to let go of this gag. I don't want to rush you. So well, far as I can, go, I, I'm concerned. We can do the whole hour just just di- is, riffing on mummy stuff. The tape is pretty sticky, so it's going to be hard to extricate myself. Yeah, I see. This and is it, the dilemma we face now. Are you going to extricate yourself on camera? Which will I think I'm going to extricate myself on camera. Won't that rip some facial hairs off or something? It's definitely going to rip some chest hairs off. No, you're wearing a shirt, I think, Mickey. And maybe some. And besides, hair hair, that's so. bonus content. And we did we did that last week, didn't okay, we? Okay. Anyway, and, keep talking. In the parrot room, didn't you? You're rip a lot your to talk about. Out? Okay. Um, what do you want to talk about? Andrew Cuomo, front COVID. Uh, uh, let's see. Right, what else is co- there? There's the Olympics. There's JD Vance going even further down the. Uh, I don't think he's gone further. The natalism rabbit hole. There, there's definitely natalism and J.D. Vance. And there's uh, uh, this uh, eviction brouhaha, which is a constitutional question. Uh-huh. And uh, there is... Uh, there's Karen in Central Park revisionism. I haven't read that, so you can tell me. And the um, there's, there's China's crackdown on industry, which is by far the most important of all these stories. Well, that's been going on a while. Right, but what the hell does it mean? Anyway. Well, we've talked um, a little about that, but I can give you my latest, uh, offer my latest uh, confusion. Okay, thank you. Uh, um, anyway. Well, what about, well, okay. you get, I mean, Cuomo is kind of the, 
elephant in the room, right? I mean, should we uh, dispense with him or? Well, we can dispense with him for now. I mean, I, I, um, my initial instinct was to defend him mm-hmm. because, I mean, some of these charges are pretty, they reflect the new etiquette of the workplace, which is he talked flirtatiously with me and made me feel uncomfortable. Well, and ran his finger down your backbone and did, and did, well, they're, they're, right. They're and, almost, and, gro- and grabbed your breast, stuff like right. that. There were a couple of things that were really bad. Yeah. Grabbing people's breasts. There was one where he said he stared down my blouse when I was bent over. I mean, Jesus, who among us, who among us is not guilty of the male sex? Uh, I mean, that is new. I'm sorry. Mickey, I have you no know, idea what you're bad, talking about. I don't, know, I, don't even know, is, I don't even know what you're talking about. So far am I from ever rude, having done anything but, like that. But that it would now be grounds for, like, losing your governorship. Uh, you know, and then he made a gratuitous comment about her pendant, too. And this is, he admitted he was looking between her breasts. I mean, because he talked about her pendant. I mean, so it mixes the serious gross complaints yeah. with with kind of unserious ones. And it's very annoying, but he did enough probably to seal his fate. Yeah, I think, I mean, look, obviously the rules have changed. In, in fact, I was uh, wondering, is there any chance that he will go through an impeachment hearing even if he knows he's going to lose. And I thought, well, maybe he'll think like, look, I'm 63. This means the end of my political career. I'm really pissed because damn it, men did this for decades and everybody knew it and it was, and it was not considered a big deal. And now suddenly they're derailing my career. Well, I'm just going to, I want to get, see these women get on the stand and blah, 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 and see how much evidence there is. He could, that's the only way I can see him sticking it out. Mickey, should we dial 911? You're having trouble getting out of that. Uh, I worry that you'll like suffocate from and, and not, start to events COVID like symptoms. I think we've we've determined that I'm not Houdini. <laughs> but, uh, you know how Houdini died, Mickey? Somebody Plus, punched him in the stomach. Well, yeah, but he invited the guy. He said, go ahead. You know, I do a billion sit-ups a day. Hit me as hard as you can. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's not funny when, <laughs> when anybody dies, but. I didn't realize kind of that funny. part. Well, he didn't die right away. He, he, I think he spent a night in the hospital and died. But yeah, he said, hit me in the stomach. <laughs> uh, I'll make I? a point this of not horrible. saying that. Let's get back to things we can't laugh about, Mike. This, uh, Mickey, this, uh, this Andrew Cuomo thing. Well, so, so, so it, yes. So, so what would, what would his future career be in this scenario? Well, that's the point. There isn't one. So he figures, God damn it, I'm going to go down in flames. And dare these women, half of whom are speaking anonymously, to speak out in public and give my side of the story and screw it. And maybe it'll launch a, you know, a YouTube uh, reality TV is, career or something. There there are two examples that he has to go by. One is Al Franken, who faced allegations that were on, on the milder end of the Cuomo allegations were right. similar. And he quit right. He quit way too soon. I think it's. It's clear now that he regrets quitting and and the Democrats regret him quitting. Uh, so uh, there's that. And uh, and there's Northam, who toughed it out and survived in Virginia for what would seem to be a, a more fatal error, being in a photo with somebody in a Ku Klux Klan outfit and blackface. I mean, Jesus. Um, so Cuomo could conceivably think he's going to marshal support after this initial round of accusations, 
And uh, you'd have to think that would be his bet. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but but none of you know no none who has survived and gone through an imp- <laughs> an impeachment conviction <laughs> that makes surviving super hard. That seems to be where this is heading, right? Well, but he if he's impeached, is his career any worse than it is if he re- resigns? No. Well, that's the logic that I'm saying might get him to go through with the whole impeachment hearing, even if he's going to get convicted and 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 bounce out of office. Yeah. Just say screw it, it. This is for men everywhere who want to look at pendants. It, it, it's it's distressing because uh, well, he could rally if he dared rally some sort of retrograde male support from people like me on those minor issues. Yes, uh, but um, the distressing thing, of course, is that of the Democrats, he he actually had. If you just look grossly at his policies, he was sort of in the right political position. He's just such a thug that uh, there's no way that I could ever vote for him. And I mean, look, he did some of this stuff after he knew the rules had changed, too. I I don't think he can really plead rules change. Well, the rules are are changing changing all the time. time. You know, in the extreme in the extreme form, the rules are now no sex in the workplace. Don't even don't even look in the wrong place. Got to control your eyes. Uh, and no flirtatious talk, all business. And then the way you, the way you date is you go online. Okay. Now that's, that, that's a pretty new rule. Okay. No, nothing that's like cutting out a large part of human interaction, uh, in the workplace. Uh, so I think that's fairly recent. Well, yeah, but that is now you're talking about the milder end of the spectrum again. It's not like, uh, well, know, right it, it's not like we're asking that of Mario Cuomo. We're asking of Mario Cuomo, keep your hands off, you know? And, and there were other things in the indictment, but what Andrew pushes this Mario. over the edge? I'm sorry, Andrew. Um, well, yeah, I mean, but that's that's been true ever since Packwood and much earlier, yeah. No groping. Yeah. Um, I mean, it. it's... Uh, the press is even distorting it. This gr- alleged groping of the trooper was not really a groping. It was more a... I don't think they used the word groping about her, did they? Didn't they use the word the groping about The press says, and I've seen it echoed on the web, why wow, he even groped a trooper. No. Well, not quite. I've heard it applied to another woman. Now, you want me to make... Now that you've made your reactionary point, can I make mine? No, I'm. I'm my reactionary point, I've. I've uh, it, it, that was my impulse, but there are, there's enough there, I think, to nail him. So you're walking back your reactionary point? No, I initially framed my reaction as just an initial impulse. Okay, let me give you my reactionary point. Otherwise, they'll have to take me to the chair again, and I can't go through that. Uh-uh. You're still, you're still not free. you still got tape on you. That's because that's it's, it's attached to some chest hairs, and I'm in, I'm in pain. You're watching me tortured. I, I know that's, there that, are many people that... Parrot that would, room, folks. Parrot room. If you want to see the tape ripped out... No way. I don't even know. There's some anyway. You probably have to like soak it in hydrogen peroxide or something. Anyway, all of this awaits in the parrot room, folks. We got some <laughs> no major way. bonus content this week. Um, let me torture porn, Bob. Whatever it takes. Oh, that reminds me. I think I have uh, an idea for some great Patreon bait, but I want to discuss it with you in the parrot room before we decide whether to actually deploy it. Okay. But this would this would be killer. This is gonna we're gonna retire very wealthy men. 
Now that all the Weinstein obsessives have, have quit at the end of the month. I have a little more to say about Weinstein today, too, I'm afraid. Eric, Eric Weinstein is just not going down quietly. I mean, it's, it's, uh, I, I, I may get to that in the course of, uh, this, this hour, in fact. But, um, my, my, my reactionary point, it, it's, uh, is, so the New York Attorney General, Letitia James, said in a press conference, uh, unveiling the report, said, I believe women and I believe these 11 women. Now, I, I'm fine with the phrase, I believe women, when people mean we're, we're, we're abandoning the old rules where you just believed the men, you know, we're, we're, and, and you told the women that they would ruin their reputations if they spoke out. We're, we're going to give them a sympathetic hearing and, 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 uh, we're not going to protect the men and so on. That said, I don't think a state attorney general should say anything that interpreted literally means that there is a particular demographic class, whether it's gender or ethnic or any other kind of demographic class, uh, that gets, you know, uh, uncritical credence that, that we just always believe. And, and, you know, I'm sure if you ask her what she meant, she, she might say she didn't mean that, but I don't know. Is that too reactionary? I think that's disgusting, Bob. You you should have to resign immediately. Okay. That's so male supremacist. Um, well, I mean, that's what some people will say. Uh, no, I, th- I I hate that that sort of that sort of slogan. I believe the women. Well, you you can you can you know believe most of the women without saying you believe all the women. I mean, that's sort of silly. And of course, when it comes then when it comes to Joe Biden, they say, oh well, we don't believe this particular woman. So uh, it's. But you know, you I guess you could interpret it as I have invest, I have looked at this case and I believe these particular women except Well, that yeah, she also she also said she hadn't read the report. <laughs> well, so I'm sure she was familiar with the evidence. No, she said both. She said I believe women and I believe these 11 women. I don't have any trouble with the second sentence. I mean, look, if there's 11 women who are coming out, you know, where there's smoke there's fire. Um that's um not all of them are I, I guess some of them are still uh, anonymous, but still that's a lot of testimony. Well that's a, the but the Schwarzenegger precedent is interesting because uh he did he, I think I think he did worse than Cuomo was accused of. Well there was definitely flat out groping, like like one woman said he's just like, Oh hi, how are you? And suddenly the hands are the hands are there. Um, um the uh but yeah, he said and he, well, and he served two terms fire. as governor. So what the right. hell? Well, he just fessed up right away. But but his line was, you know, on these rowdy movie sets. Yeah, we've all been on these rowdy movie sets where men walk up and grab your breasts. It's just, you know, yeah. what can you Where do? there's smoke, there's fire was a brilliant line. That, it was because it was that, so unexpected. That, that Yeah, that Mike, I think Mike Murphy either thought it up or talked him into saying it. Uh and and if what would happen if Cuomo said that? He's probably, he's basically already said it, but he's already apologized. But. Well, no, but he's denying everything fundamentally. I guess that's Schwarzenegger right. Schwarzenegger so, did not deny anything. Right. He, so what if he, he just shifted? said he just said it was a wild world I was in, even uh, though not all the testimony was about mo- things happening on movie sets. Right. But what? But what? Uh, one does want it to tell uh, some of the people, have you ever been in a Hollywood writer's room? I mean, if you're worried about the conversational flirting and insults and things that made me feel uncomfortable as a woman, uh, that's a lot of what goes on in Hollywood. And, and they have an excuse, which is they think it unlocks the creative juices uh, to be mean. But uh, 
that maybe Cuomo doesn't have, but politics is famously mean. I mean, they, they're the, one of the key virtues of politics is people are brutally honest. Like the guy who came up to me and said, Mickey, I thought you, I thought your campaign would have more oomph. Okay. <laughs> you know, I've heard, beat around the I've, bush. Heard, I've heard meaner things said about you, Mickey, but I won't share them. Oh, no, you haven't. <laughs> but, uh, I've said so, um, things about you. Uh, anyway, I, I, you think there's no way he can now he can apologize? No, because he's claiming he he did virtually none of this, right? I'm thinking if he shifts, if he fires. I mean, his he, well, I mean, he is saying, "Well, I'm just a hugger. I'm a kisser," and you know, but he's they're not accusing him of just being a hugger and a kisser. They're saying it was, it was different, and and he has not admitted to that. No, I don't. I don't. I think he either goes down swinging with his current story, or he. Or he abandons it and fades away. I'm just wondering whether he'll stick it out through an impeachment. It sounds like an impeachment hearing is coming, right? Yeah, I think I think the Northam example has has given every accused politician courage, and the Franken example in the other direction. Well, he already demonstrated. He already got that far, though. You know, I mean, he did, he he resisted uh, the calls for re- resignation the first time. Now we're facing actual impeachment. That's just a totally different ballgame. I think Northam faced impeachment, too. The problem is that the Democratic lieutenant governor had his own scandal, and the third in line was a Republican, so the Democrats were not about to impeach him. Um, Anyway, that's sort of all I have to say about Cuomo. I mean, uh, I'm – I would – I. I guess I I don't like the smarmy relationship he has with his brother, but all of CNN is so smarmy that singling out singling out Chris Cuomo for discipline when the whole thing is an incestuous gangbang seems uh, seems unfair. Now, what is the is one thing in the report? Or did it come out that that Chris was giving him advice about how to deal with this whole thing? Did I hear that somewhere? I mean, I don't think that's Usually yes. scandalous. I mean, the, the, the bullshitty thing about Chris and CNN's reaction is he does, you know, he's avoiding the subject by saying, well, he's my brother, so I just won't cover things related to him. Yeah, except when he was giving these COVID press conferences in this ridiculous outfit with this ridiculous backdrop and you were devoting a whole hour to him. Right. And, and yeah. except when you want to give him publicity. Right. Sorry. No, he, he's 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 hopelessly corrupt, but it's sort of so obvious. It's his brother. It's on the surface. It would be much better if they just didn't deny it. Nope. If he just sort of said, "He's my brother." Of course, I got to be nice to him. Was his father a classier guy? Uh yes. I think his father was a classier guy, although he had some of the same impulses. Uh, <laughs> Meaning he was. Uh, Meaning he was. What do you mean there? He could be thuggish and vindictive, oh. uh, but he had higher intellectual pretensions. Uh, he claimed to have thought deeply about capital punishment, unlike the voters. Well, of course, the voters have thought well, deeply about capital he, he punishment. He was a fan too. of uh, Pierre Teilhard de Chardin. How many American politicians can, can say that? He, if you remember, he came to the New Republic. Yeah, and I asked him about that, and he kind of freaked out. He like I asked him about Teilhard de Chardin, and he Why was did he like, freak out? he. Uh, because I think, I, I think it's 
It's a good question. I mean, Teilhard de Chardin, he was a Catholic uh, priest and theologian who had been almost excommunicated, not quite, but for a long time, his his writings, he was not allowed to publish while for most of his, uh, maybe all his life, I don't know, um, because he had such a radical theology. He was also a paleontologist, fascinating guy, uh, coined or popularized the term noosphere to refer to uh, you know, the, the kind of, uh, the envelope of human thought that now is, in fact, enveloping the earth as he envisioned, via technology as he envisioned. Uh, he was an interesting guy. Anyway, Cuomo, I wasn't sure if it was, I will say it seemed to indicate to me that he actually was a Teilhard de Chardin fan, because he suddenly seemed defensive about it. And I don't know if it was like, he didn't want a, a bunch of hard-nosed journalists uh, to see him falling for this uh, flaky-sounding mystic, or what? But he—he he, he didn't. He was evasive. I, huh? That's interesting. I think I—he—I he, just remember as being hilariously funny and incredibly quick mentally. He was—he 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 uh, basically shut everybody down. And this is, you know, well, I felt kind of shut down. With that. This is a, a magazine where people pride themselves on their ability to hold forth and he he basically beat everybody um now i later he's, have... it, he's hilarious he's hilariously funny in press conferences too in a way that andrew cuomo is not i mean andrew cuomo is not self-aware enough to be yeah so, uh... so so the answer is yes he was a classier guy but not a you know the the the, the seeds of thuggery were there i had lunch with him a second time with rick hertzberg and father lorenzo albacete really yeah, apparently he had actually, the funny thing is, this is years later, after I had written about Teilhard de Chardin in my book Non-Zero, and that came to his attention, and it was his idea. Isn't that Really? Funny? Yeah, true. And maybe I don't think I mentioned the New Republic thing to him. Maybe it was a makeup call for... No, he, for... I don't think he, I don't think he made the connection. He did, I was just some anonymous schmo asking him the question at the New Republic lunch. Was he governor? No, because this would have been after 2000. The second lunch was after yeah. two, 2000. I don't know how oh, long okay. was he governor. Okay. He, this um, was after he had – one of the stranger things was he could have been on the Supreme Court. He could have had that, right? And he just he, – he dithered and decided he didn't want it or something? Is that true? He's yeah, famously – Yeah, Clinton was ready to give it to him. He famously dithered. Yeah, he was he, a ditherer. He could have run for president. He didn't He could have run for president. Um that's one quality so, I, I, I don't think he passed down to his sons. What if Cuomo doubled down and appointed Jeffrey Tubin chief justice of the New York Supreme Court? <laughs> get the I'm, CNN corruption, get the get the Tubination, just say, go ahead, come at me. I'm totally in favor of that. I think um, that people should approach Tubin for comment on this, on this case. There, there was... There was there was this hilarious thing on the web where somebody said, and they have Jeffrey Tubin on TV pontificating about Cuomo's adultery. And then there was a sheepish response. I'm sorry, it's, it's that guy Chalian, Jeffrey, somebody Chalian, who looks exactly like Jeffrey Tubin, <laughs> like all those, all those bespectacled Jewish guys look alike. And, um, so it wasn't Jeffrey Tubin. David Chalian. Mickey, are you growing a beard now that you've taken the tape off? No, I just, I, I had a choice. I could do like a few things and shaving I didn't have time for. I know that feeling. I didn't want to incur your wrath for being late. But you were late. 
but I was late. But I'm not as late as if I if I had shaved. Yeah, that's true. Uh, um, so, so enough. Cormac. You think you were too optimistic about the Delta virus? You wrote a newsletter well, saying basically, uh, don't sweat too much about the Delta virus. And here's here's my not my worst case, but my sort of pessimistic scenario about the virus. Why I'm scared to go on a trip. Uh, the, the 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 CDC decision was not based just on Provincetown. You do a you debunk that, and a bunch of people have debunked that. Why should we care so much about Provincetown? It actually shows that the vaccine outbreak. worked pretty well. Nobody died, and the, the infection well, rate. Well, that was wasn't my place. point, though. My point was that the transmission rate was misleading because of the milieu in which it spread. Correct, but I think they they calculated somebody calculated the transmission rate. It was one point six percent. Well, it'd be one point six. It's not a percent. You mean one point six people per person, right? It's like you mean R not? No, not not R O. Just oh, I think not, was, not R not. No, there's one point six percent of the people at the places got infected. Oh, 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 oh okay. Um, and uh, but anyway, there's this other study from somewhere in Dane County, Wisconsin, which I guess is Milwaukee, uh, saying um, uh, they calculated that the vaccine cut the chance of permission in transmission in half. Well, I was hoping for a hell of a lot more than half. And so if we figure, if we figure that this virus is, is at least twice as infectious as the old virus, uh, that means I'm back to square one, right? Uh, um, and maybe in a sense, of course, you're still better protected against uh, hospitalization and death. Right, but then there's, but then there's the final kicker, which is even though I'm much better protected against death and hospitalization, they discovered it has bad effects on your brain, even if you don't die. Delta, Delta. Well, all of them, I think. So, so I don't want to. I don't want to get the virus at all. Like, for example, do you hear a cell phone ringing now? I always hear a cell phone ringing. Yeah, well, I don't hear one. So if you're here, if you were hearing that, there may already be brain damage. <laughs> okay, well, there probably is. Um, uh, that was just a a friend. Um. So, um, so I don't know. So I'm, and I'm not even counting the possibility of like even worse uh, variants, like you know Delta Plus, Delta Premium, Lambda. The Lambda one is very scary because Lambda is real. I think it uh, it evades the virus and is uh, extremely contagious. It evades the vaccine and is extremely contagious. Um, the uh. Yeah, so I had the argument I had made in my in my non-zero newsletter was, and and it wasn't it wasn't a full fledged piece that I had thought through all that carefully. It was actually a a little monologue podcast. I was basically kind of fooling around with some uh, podcast editing software and figured I wouldn't let it go to waste. So I, I thought ran, it worked ran, fine. What's that? I thought it worked fine. It's an interesting. Uh, it's very interesting. It wasn't. It wasn't that much worse than if you were writing it. Oh, you mean that the, the the transcript wasn't that much worse? Yes, it was a, a I, little there's two, worse. There's two you, ways. There's two ways I can interpret that. I'll choose to interpret it as a it did, compliment. It didn't have the, the jokes you usually stick in at the end of paragraphs, right? Um, but but anyway, uh, the argument was twofold. There was first of all that um, uh, you're right that the CDC for uh, its basis for revising its guidance on masks and stuff went beyond the province town thing uh, on the other thing I, on the other hand i think the provincetown thing was the main basis for its new uh estimate of transmission 
extent of transmission among vaccinated people. And I think that is there. It was exercising flawed logic. But the other thing that I relied on to, to say, uh, calm down a little about the Delta virus, I'm sorry to say that that, uh, that has also been pulled out from under me. It was the fact that Britain, which has a vaccination rate a little higher than ours, but as many ways comparable to us, you know, it got Delta about five weeks before we did. Its case rate went up and up and up and then just plummeted and plummeted for a couple of weeks. And then like the day after I published this newsletter heralding that, I mean, I wasn't the first one to point that out, but putting some emphasis on that and saying that if you, to judge by that timing, we should be seeing our our problem recede around Labor Day. Then uh, for the last few days since then, uh, the British uh, case rate has quit descending. It's kind of plateaued. It isn't quite in an uptick, but it has not fallen all the way to pre-Delta levels by any means. And meanwhile, our death rate, it seems to be rising a little faster relative to the, the, the rise in case rate weeks earlier than was the case in Britain. We're now above 400. We, we had been down in the low 200s. Um, well, we're so- less vaccinated. What's that? We're less vaccinated. You, you, yeah. you, Scott Gottlieb also was going to town on this sudden drop in in cases that we can expect, and I, that was the one ray of hope that I had. Well, I wouldn't abandon it, but but the British thing is is on pause. Has been on pause for a few days. It hasn't really started rising again, but it didn't get all the way back to uh, pre Delta. But um, as far as our vaccination rate, you know, you do now suddenly have various officials and uh, corporate entities uh, putting the pressure on people to get vaccinated. You know, Tyson's Chicken and United Airlines are, are making all of their employees get vaccinated. Uh, de Blasio in New York is doing this very interesting thing, right, of making vaccination a prerequisite for going uh, dining indoors or going to Broadway or going to a health club. Well, they, yes, they're about to do that in L.A. too. Um, here's my question: If, uh, you know, at the beginning of the at the beginning, very beginning of the uh, the virus scare, one of the mistakes Trump made was poo pooing the virus instead of saying we take this very seriously. And he could be all populist about it. He could be. He could say it's a foreign invader. We're shutting our borders. We're, we're just closing the country down, like Australia. And keeping everybody out and trying to keep the virus out, okay? That was his mistake. But why can't we do that now? There are all these viruses, Lambda in South America and something in India, and okay, they haven't completely uh, gotten across our border yet. So shut the damn border down. Say, look, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, businessmen stranded overseas. I'm sorry, multinational corporations. You're going to have to. Communicate virtually. The border is closed. The U.S. is closed until this goes away. Uh, and and why isn't that a rational thing to do? Well, I mean, it, it would come with real costs. Uh, I'm not. Right. I'm not saying you shouldn't do it. I'm just if you ask, why don't we just do it? The answer is that they're real costs. But they're but they're costs that the Biden administration will feel more strongly than it should. Just Maybe. the way Trump, I, Trump I, felt them more strongly than it should. A few businessmen complaining. He and he carves huge loopholes, you know? I mean, I mean, well, why don't, you have to well, be firm. I mean, you could also go halfway and say uh, on flights incoming to the U.S., we demand proof of vaccination and you take a, pe- a, a test as soon as you get here. And um, 
And, uh, and that's the deal. I mean, that would, you know. The tests should, aren't foolproof. I mean. It, well, vaccination but, plus test, you know, is, it, it, it would certainly, uh, slow the arrival and spread of, of, of any new variant. I, I mean, I don't know how realistic it is to think you can completely wall yourself off. I mean, who has succeeded? Even these societies that, you know, have strong, uh, you, you, to put it nicely, top-down leadership, uh, China, and even Australia, which is an island, um, and had gotten by on that fact, basically, and by, by being very selective about who it led in the country, um, they're all, the Delta variant has reached all these places, right? I don't know. New Zealand is the other example. Uh, isn't uh, uh, Australia doesn't vax, though, I think. Isn't that right? Well, I don't think it's that they don't vax. They're not very far along. I thought they I thought they just haven't tried. They've mm-hmm. relied on their island status. Well, they have, they have helicopters in the sky preventing you from leaving your home. So they're they're not they're, they take the lockdown stuff seriously. Um I, I don't know. It just seems to me that the, the because of Biden's, you know, uh, anti-Trump on the borders stand, he's less likely to consider what is a uh, a, a potentially rational line of action. Uh, so um, the uh, can, can we go ahead if you have anything more to add? Not on that, I don't uh, think. I mean, uh, well, we can just we can just say for the parrot room the question whether the virus is selecting for. I mean, the vaccine is selecting for a vaccine resistant. Uh, well, that, that was virus. another issue I wanted to bring up. Even uh, it, it, it does it does seem to me there was a, there was a, a piece by. Ferraro, Navarro, this, this Trump advisor, sort of a wild man. But it sort of made sense that the, the more the more everybody is vac- vaccinated, the, va- the the germs that survive are going to be the ones resistant to the vaccine. So we're yeah, yeah, no, breeding I think, super germs. I, I think, you know, it, it's almost defin- definitionally true that any environment is what something evolving within it is like selecting for. And the vaccine becomes part of the environment. So, yeah, but, uh, you know, and, and, and so the kinds of vaccines that will spread most, uh, I mean, viruses that will spread most prolifically among vaccinated people are those that do a best job of evading the, uh, the, the, you know, the reaction that the vaccine induced. But the question is, how does that compare with if you had not vaccinated them, right? Because that's that's the that's what we want to know. Does this mean we should not vaccinate people? But so has, you, I assume that they've run the numbers, but uh, you know, for our, Navarro wants to vaccinate all the high risk people, all the old people, all the people with with you know mor- morbidities. Uh, it's just the people without the morbidities who are younger that he doesn't want to vaccinate. And why doesn't the math add up that that that's the least risky course? Um, I don't know. Well, uh, well, well, I'll give you part of the answer is that one determinant of, uh, you know, the chief determinant of how fast new variants arise, of how likely you are to have a vaccine resistant variant, is how many people the disease is still spreading in. That is the right. determination of mutation rate. So right away, that's one price you're paying. You're creating right. more right. variants by not 
vaccinating. The the question is, I think, like like right now, you could say, well, the Delta is better uh, at at evading the vaccine than the previous variant. Well, yeah, but it's at least that good at evading uh, the the systems of people who aren't vaccinated. Uh, almost certainly, uh, including people who have organic resistance by virtue of having had it. So assuming that's true, you know, in other words, assuming you don't have a variant that actually spreads more rapidly among vaccinated people than, un- than among unvaccinated people. And, and I, and I'm sure you can imagine a variant like that. The question is just how likely is it to evolve and, and to arise? And, but assuming you don't have that, and I don't think we've seen that yet. Then the answer is yes, in some sense, vaccination resists for vaccine, selects for vaccine resistance, but it still makes sense to get vaccinated because you lower the mutation rate and you're, and, and even that aside, you're still in a better world in terms of the rate of spread of this new variant than you would be if nobody was vaccinated. If it did spread as rapidly among the vaccinated as the unvaccinated, if there just weren't any symptoms, uh, wouldn't that change your equation? If it spread as rapidly, yeah, I mean, this, you know, there, no, this, there was no. this big fuss two weeks ago or a week ago when when the CDC reported that it, you had the same amount of viral stuff in your nose if you were vaccinated and got it as if you were unvaccinated. Right. Although, people, by the way, there's reason to think that the stuff in the nose isn't what spreads the disease. We it's talked stu- about that last it's week. It's the stuff in the lungs. Okay. Oh, right. You made that point. You having um, read the Washington but, Post piece on that. Uh, but, but, but no, uh, the answer is no. If if they if if you show me that the that it spreads at an equal rate in vaccinated and unvaccinated, I still say vaccinate because again, um, the vaccination is uh, well. I mean, the vaccination reduced the chances of this variant arising. And presumably the vaccination is continuing to do what we know it does with almost all variants we've ever seen, which is uh, create a rate of transmission that is slower than among the unvaccinated. As long as that is true for stuff that's that's out there, then you are slowing the mutation rate and, and hence the rate of new variant creation by vaccinating some people. But now, if, ones- if, if you posit a world with only one variant... And it spreads at equal rates in the two. Uh, that's another world. It's not the world we're in. But 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 then you could at least uh, start raising questions about the wisdom of vaccinating. But it also increases the chance that whatever virus survives will be vaccine resistant, right? A vaccinated world does do that. Yes. Yeah. But again, know. if there were no vaccinations, there would be other. Uh, variants arising that were doing just fine for themselves and probably better than this one's doing. You always have to, you know, compare, uh, at least hypothetically, it's hard to do in, in the real world, but you got to compare what's going on in a vaccinated world with what would be going on in an unvaccinated world. So, so the, ba- the basic- we would have more variants now in an unvaccinated world than we have. And so there, there's a chance that some of them would even be, would be even more problematic than Delta. Yeah. There, um, the, 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 the sort of the, the basic depressing thing is even if the caseloads plummet in Britain and keep plummeting, they could always pop back up later. Right. I mean, it's not like we have herd immunity. 
So, no, but uh, I would think it would take a new variant. And look, as long as we continue to let this thing fester in various parts of the world, we will see new variants. Um, I mean, if you wait long enough, uh, and don't get a booster shot, then, then you, you know, you, you, you become more susceptible to the, the same variant that hit you last time, but that takes a while. So I'm ready to, I'm ready to move on to the eviction moratorium, but I don't know about you. Quick Olympics check. Simone Biles had kind of a happy ending, I thought. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I was sort of on the Djokovic side of that debate, uh, which is if you're at that level, you sort of should deal with the pressure. She did take up a slot on the team that somebody else could have taken. Uh, but uh, I'm very, very happy that she got it together and did as well as she did. Although... What- was there any chance they weren't going to give her a medal, given that she but you know, got, did all the stunts without falling? Well, no, I think she did a really excellent uh, balance beam thing. It's just that the degree of difficulty of her dismount wasn't as high because she took the twist out of it. You got to understand, she had the equivalent of what Tiger Woods had with the yips, except it, it was with, instead of with respect to chipping, it was with, with respect to twisting. She just couldn't do it, okay? Like, maybe Djokovic can show us his fucking triple twist come, on the dismount, but I don't think he can, and I don't think he knows a damn thing about this sport. And I've seen him choke on serves. But well, his he, point, oh, but that's what gave him credibility, because he spent a whole year choking. So his point was he had to deal with it. Yeah, but the, but he doesn't under, he's never had anything like this where Tiger Woods would understand, I think maybe he'd come closer to it and, and, and other athletes have had the comparable thing, but she just couldn't do the twist. And if you take the twist, if she tries to do the twist, it's dangerous. If she takes it out of her routines, it reduces the, the difficulty enough that she's probably going to suffer point wise and she, she's better off. Uh, letting these other uh, gymnasts take her place, the team is probably better off. Um, and, you know, uh, it's just, uh, it's an amount of pressure that I don't think even Djokovic can quite imagine. The, the, the amount of attention on her as she entered these Olympics and uh, is something I'm not sure Djokovic has ever felt. But look, Why even if he had, some attention? people, what, what's that? Why was she all of a sudden America's darling? And Well, she's the greatest gymnast in the history of the world, okay, okay. for starters. And right. so she was going into these Olympics, and she was one of the most surefire bets. And I don't know, maybe, you know, gender and race play into it. Yeah, I'll leave that to you. But for whatever reason, she had this huge amount of of attention on her. Um, and uh, so I, I'm, a, I'm a fan. I thought she handled the whole thing well and I, it was touching the way she and the, the embraced and congratulated the Chinese gymnasts and uh, we could use more of that in this cold warriors world speaking of which one complaint oh well I don't know if I'll get it in but, but I raised the question last time like are, is this more of a cold war vibe than you know is this becoming reminiscent of cold war Olympics and the New York Times ran actually about a week ago now a thing where it's just like this, you know, depicting the Chinese sports machine. That's the sound of Mickey taking more tape off, folks. <laughs> um, the Chinese anu- athlete manufacturing machine uh, as this monstrous thing. And I won't quote from it, I guess. I mean, it's definitely got its melodramatic and bullshitty moments. I don't doubt that 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 there are 
things in the way they they you know comb the country for the greatest athletes and cultivate them that that would creep me out a little but i don't i don't think we should underestimate the extent to which our own system though very different is a pretty efficient system for combing the country for talent cultivating it and sometimes putting huge pressure on people i mean this uh this new york times writer hannah beach talks about how much pressure it puts on these athletes and then she she writes, uh, but unlike Simone Biles or Naomi Osaka, who's the uh, American tennis player, high-profile Olympians who have spoken of the emotional strain of so much pressure, Liao, referring to a Chinese athlete, did not address the mental toll of what she has done day after day since she was a little girl. So now her complaint is that in China they don't speak out about the mental stress of it, but the point, she, the sub the point she's making, without maybe realizing it, is that our athletes are feeling the same mental stress that she's complaining about being inflicted on the Chinese. Yeah. Um, uh, there's an, a logical segue to the Chinese who now want to turn the, their entire economy into the equivalent of their Olympic the effort. I mean, it may, this is new to me. Maybe it's not new to you. Well, we talked about a little of it. Not really a lot of it. We talked a little bit of it. You know, he... We talked about it when the Chinese cracked down on Jack Ma, and but it's now obvious that it's not just them cracking down on a few alternative power centers. It's, it's, there's sort of some thoroughgoing clampdown of the state on the entire Chinese economy, and nobody quite knows what it means. But I take it as a positive sign because it's a sign that – they were worried that if they didn't clamp down, they couldn't control it. In other words, I've been reading all these uh, articles like the John Lanchester column I keep talking about, where the Chinese, they figured out how to control the web. They figured out how to control the democratic, rebellious impulses of social media. They have it all under control. Well, obviously, they don't have it all under control because they're worried that it's getting out of control and they're clamping down again. And a lot of the clampdown was on the social media sector. Uh, so Certainly that's an optimistic the thing that tech, they're yeah. worried. They're worried that the dynamic that you talk about and uh, that I accuse you of talking about that more capitalism yields more democracy. They actually worried, still worried that it's true. Well, unless I'm mixing you up with another guy who is uh, enshrouded in duct tape, I thought I I thought I said something kind of like this to you that that yeah. Um, I mean, first of all, let's review. So. Jack Ma, uh, you know, I guess the company's Alibaba, but that's like, it's a big on, that's like a big online shopping company. Um, did they, have they, have they kind of cracked down on TikTok? I get mixed up because Trump wanted to crack down on, on TikTok. I don't think but, they've tracked down on TikTok, but TikTok is, isn't TikTok owned by Tencent? Maybe not. Yes, I believe so. Well, they've cracked down on Tencent. They have cracked down on Tencent. And then this, um, their equivalent of Uber, uh, when it made its debut on the New York stock market, they did something to it, uh, almost as if to punish it for debuting on the New York market, maybe. Right. But it, 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 nobody quite knows what the overall rationale is, and it's not clear that they know what the overall rationale is. It's just that it's sort of happening, and it'll take a couple of years to play out. Uh, right. And I, no, and I think I expressed the hope that this would wind up being, uh, roundabout vindication of, the I, I mean, I did argue in non-zero that it was going to be hard in the new digital, you know, economy to uh, deny people uh, political 
freedom in an extreme way without paying some price in terms of prosperity. So far, you know, it has kind of seemed like I was wrong, judging well, by China's And prosperity. we're waiting for them to pay the price. It's not, is it right. clear that at all that they're going to pay any price for this? Well, we're hoping that this is the price. I, I mean, I don't know. I, I, mean, I mean, if there's hope for the thesis, one hope would be that what you just said is true. And they're, and they're, and the government's getting antsy about the amount of power that a modern, uh, capitalist economy gives to tech companies. Uh, th- that's not exactly the way. I-, I mean, this is not, this is certainly not the kind of vindication of, of my thesis you'd have if they started just, um, uh, putting whole social media companies out of business or something, I guess. I mean, but, there, but. There was, there was one interesting sector they did put out of business, which is the after school tutoring industry. Uh, and apparently they did right. it on egalitarian grounds. Right. Which is like, I, I don't quite understand it because it's that big an industry. It's obviously not an industry only for the elite. And the elite, even after the industry is gone, will have a way to tutor their kids. So it's really aimed at the upper middle class, but it's sort of like, uh, you know, don't American opponents of privilege with the, wish they had that authority. You know, we don't like, we don't like, uh, after school tutoring and tutoring for the SAT. So we just abolish it by decree. Uh, and that, that had nothing to do well, we're abolishing, with social control. We're abolishing the test. They're abolishing the tutoring. Or not abolishing it, but limiting. It. Well, that's the other question. Why, if the, if, if why not abolish the tests? Because uh, they, they have faith in a meritocratic uh, standardized test. That, I mean, they consider it meritocratic. Um, I mean, I, I I don't think it makes sense to completely but, abolish reliance on standardized tests for college. Well, admissions. but if you're going to rely on the test, then why not allow tutoring? It makes I don't know. Well, no, obviously because. They don't want, uh, it is a kind of egalitarian concern. They don't want, uh, a, a huge number of low income people thinking that the dice are loaded, which, which they are, so long as, uh, the affluent can prepare, the, uh, the students for the test in a meaningful way. I mean, especially to the extent that they can kind of, that they're taught little tricks that allow them to do well on the test without actually learning a whole lot of stuff. But um, I had great faith in those tricks. Yeah, well, uh, the whole, you know, the Princeton Review, the company that pioneered tricks, uh, I assume they're still doing well. But remember, there was originally there was Stanley Kaplan, the SAT prep company that right. actually taught you stuff. And then Princeton Review came along, no affiliation with the university, um, and uh, just taught you little tricks that that would work even if you didn't know shit. Um, um, my, but, my, my trick was just to assume that uh, the tests were written by PC liberals. So if there's a question on the law, on the law, you know, the law of multiple choice, whether a woman can rape a man, the answer is yes, the woman raped the man. <laughs> you go right for that. Don't even have to think about it. Yeah. Is rape um, about A, sex, B, power. Uh, so anyway. Um, uh, I, 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 you may have anticipated the point I was making, which is it's a it's a hopeful sign. It's also a yeah. sign that they're de- they're decoupling from us. We're not decoupling from them. They're 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 screwing our investors and uh, punishing people who have ties to the United States. And yeah. uh, fine if they want to decouple, go ahead. I mean, I wouldn't say it's a super hopeful sign. It, it's a ray of hope for a particular thesis about uh, that. Um, but at the same time, I'm not sure it's a 
better world when their tech universe is cut off from ours, which isn't the implication of all this stuff by any means. And in fact, Trump was contributing. We are contributing that probably as much as they are, certainly during the Trump era. Uh, you know, he basically, uh, has, uh, encourage them to abandon Android as a phone operating system. So we, you know, there had been a, a, a single platform that kind of the whole world was, was accessible to the whole world. Um, and now, uh, Huawei, one of the biggest smartphone manufacturers in the world has just start, created its own operating system because of what Trump did. And I don't know they're going to, that they're going to thrive with that operating system, but it, we just very kind of casually without thinking it through, started doing things and China did some things as well that uh reduced the chances of the world staying on single platforms, single operating systems. They're is still that on so some. terrible? Apple Apple is well, I don't know, but but I, I haven't really thought it through, but that's my point. Nobody has. It's it's so far as I know. It, it's we just like react. Um God knows Trump hadn't. Um I guess I didn't the way things were going, it looked like uh, they were going in a bad direction, and the, the, we were there was this totalitarian monster growing up, and you don't want to help it out, you know. I don't know. Um, yeah, but I don't think that's what I don't think we thought through. Are yeah. you helping? Are you hurting the the monster or helping it? And I'm not talking about the five G stuff. I'm talking yeah. about uh, uh, divorcing ourselves from the Huawei smartphones. Yeah. 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 Kicking them out of our market and basically kicking them off the, the Google platform. Yeah. The Android um, platform. The, uh, so what, uh, I don't know, JD Vance, we, we've been going JD almost Vance, an hour, believe it or not. Now, now there's the, JD Vance, there's natalism, there's the, the always exciting child tax credit. Yeah. Um, you, you'll see. Well, the, I guess one leads to the other, right? So JD yeah. Vance's quote of the week is, why have we turned our country over to people who don't have a direct stake in it? We can't let the childless left, left is capitalized. We can't let the childless left control the future of our nation. It, it, now, it's Mickey very, is a, yeah, go ahead. I'm a fan of J.D. Vance, He, but it's weird that he's picked this one issue to stand out from the crowd on. Did it, did it poll well? I don't think, I, I, I sort of doubt he took a poll. I think, it's what he sort of really thinks. I think he's going with his gut. He really cares about this natalism stuff that all, you know, it's the, it's the greatest sacred cow among hip young Republican policy types is, oh, we need to increase the birth rate. Uh, and you know, all sorts of people are also worried about it. Matt Iglesias is worried about it. The Chinese are worried about it. Their population rate is falling too. It's a global phenomenon that, yeah. that in advanced countries, people have fewer kids. Or, and, but or, is this or, such a is this such an existential threat that we should worry about? And finally, Ann Coulter unleashed a full broadside attack on this whole worry about natalism uh, that was badly needed. And it was a, it was a strong column. It was a little uh, a little libertarian me, for my. Let me. Taste, I didn't but, read it, but let me guess. She didn't. I'm guessing she didn't say, "Don't worry, we can make up for it with immigration." Correct, but she actually didn't talk about immigration. Her point was. Her point was that uh, uh, was a was a why are we so worried about it? I mean, the idea that if Social Security is insolvent, make Social Security solvent. Don't increase it by adding the adding to the birth rate. Uh, you know, we could solve Social Security's problems 
very simply by means testing. And even Medicare's problems could be solved by means testing. So uh, why not do that instead of is and, and her point was paying parents to have kids was a huge mistake. She said it was the biggest mistake the country's ever made because she thinks it destroyed not just the black family, but all families. I'm not sure so, that it didn't. So in other a, words, great society legislation was a great mistake. Johnson, 60s. Right. She 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 relies a lot on a studies by this by a scholar named Errol Ricketts. Who, who who apparently shows that families just totally went into free fall, at, including the black family, after the Great Society. I don't quite, I'm not sure I believe that. A, uh, there's, there's some people like Nick Lemon who say that the black family was in decay long before, and it, you know, they're, they're, in part because uh, when the census taker came around and found a, a, a man and a woman living together and asked, are you married? They said, oh, yes, we're married. But they really weren't married, uh, not even common law. And, uh, and, and B, the Great Society didn't really affect the white family that much. It had a huge impact on blacks. But, you know, like on welfare, there was a welfare explosion in 1968. Okay, the welfare rolls tripled. Okay, they, the 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 exposure of the average white person to welfare was just a fraction of what the exposure of the average black person to welfare was. So how did exploding welfare turn the white, you know, uh, you know, single mother rate upward? Uh, but, uh, you know, that's a that's an argument. But that her argument was it just totally fucked up American society. And the right under the skies of this natalism fetish uh, is about to do it again. So it's a pretty powerful argument. Well, so what is the right's approach to this? Because they're, they're not embracing uh, Biden's de facto approach, right? This child tax care credit, uh, uh, child tax credit, whatever, uh, would be, in principle, uh, a pro-natalist policy, right? But the right doesn't like that. No, some of them are. Some of them do. Uh, Mitt Romney, in, basically, you know, the, the, the distinction is, do you send money to families that don't work? And Romney would, and Ruby on Cotton wouldn't. So there's a split on the right. Uh, you know, the Niskanen Center uh, and and all sorts of people who are associated with the National Review, like Ramesh Panuru and Yuval Levin and and, and, and uh, Ross Douthat, uh, have uh, endorsed the Romney plan. And there are also Republicans like Orrin Cass who have opposed it. Uh, so um, there's a split. The answer is there's a split. Uh, and, uh, I'm obviously with the Rubios and the Cottons of the world, uh, on this anyway. Uh, um, so, uh, but, uh, so I don't think you can get them there. I mean, I think they would, if they, if they could vote for the Biden plan, they would vote for it, half of them. Uh, now is the Biden plan, is there some income cutoff? Is it 150,000 or no income cutoff? Yes, it goes, it, it's very high. It's like, it's like. It, it's it it, it it there's singles and married couples and I think married couples can make hundreds of thousands of dollars and still be getting this check before before the uh, cutoff happens. So the cutoff's at such a high level that no poor person who is working their way up the ladder would ever even worry about the cutoff. It's like, but here's the thing: the, the making this is only at the Biden tax credit, which go, which goes to non-workers as well as workers, thereby recreating the welfare system. Uh, is only authorized for one year. They want to make it permanent in this big reconciliation bill. The the pollsters ask a question, 
do you want to make this permanent? And it tanked badly in two different polls, like, hmm. like 56 to 30. Okay. Yeah. Like non-trivial voters rejected this idea. And this has caused a great deal of angst, uh, in the pro welfare camp. And the question is, won't this make moderate Democrats in the House worry about do they really want this thing in their bill when the crunch comes? And, you know, you have to decide which of the parts of the package are we going to throw overboard? Isn't the permanent tax credit one of the ones you want to throw overboard? I don't know the answer to that. Uh, I do know that the the left is getting way too much attention. The left recently staged this uh, very effective stunt where Cori Bush uh, camped out on the House steps to protest the expiration of the eviction moratorium. Uh, and all these there were all these things, well, all these articles written, well, Nancy Pelosi can't ignore these progressive uh, Democrats in the House because they have the balance of power. Nancy Pelosi can only lose four votes. Yeah, well, but there are a lot of moderate Democrats who also have more than four votes, and Nancy Pelosi can't lose them too. And what's more, they have more leverage because they don't really care if the Democrats' big reconciliation bill fails, whereas AOC and the squad do care. They, they are, they, you know, they, they are not going to tank the whole reconciliation bill. They're going to take what they can get. That gives the moderates, it seems to be, more leverage than the progressives. The only question is, do the moderates, are the moderates scared that they'll be attacked on this welfare issue? So your and final prediction know. is for what's going to happen here? Uh, I have a prediction, but you go with your prediction. No, I don't have a prediction. Yeah, we're, we're awaiting your prediction. Oh, well the, well, the first instinct on the left will be to shorten the time period all these things are extended. So... Uh, they'll, they'll, they'll extend it for another year or another two years if they can fit that into the budget. Uh, mm-hmm. and they have this ins- seemingly insane theory, which is we'll start sending out these checks. And if we just send them out for one more year, uh, we will be so popular that we'll retake the Congress and then we can extend it for, uh, you know, another five years. That just seems to be totally naive, and it's one, it's one area where the progressive vision just seems to completely be completely full of it. The, the Democrats have so much going against them uh, in this midterm election. They have, you know, the wokeism. They have the immigration issue. They have inflation. They have crime. They have gerrymandering. They have turnout. I mean, they, they, have, they have seven or eight key factors against them. Uh, the idea that they can bank on retaining control of the Congress, and that's what they risk their whole agenda on, is is completely crazy. So, okay. Uh, but I, their, first inst- their first instinct will be to, uh, uh, to, um, to shorten the period and extend it for another year. There actually are, there are innovative out. There, there are innovative compromises that are possible. I think we've talked about them. You could, you know, you, you, Orrin Cass has a proposal to gear it by work history. You don't have to be working, but you have to have worked in the past, and then you can get the child tax credit. Well, that's a, there, there's a lot of ways to negotiate around that, but I don't, I don't. I think the left is too adamant to even concede the work principle. So, so we've been going for appreciably over an hour. Should we quickly? Do you have anything to say about the uh, Tucker does Budapest uh, thing? Uh, I think I do have things to say. I mean, I don't. I uh, my the one. The one uh, 
idea that I got from reading a, a Matt Iglesias piece, uh, uh, Matt, Matt thinks all the comparisons of Orban and Yugoslavia to fascism are overdone. Mm-hmm. But obviously there is something yeah, it's definitely anti-democratic. Something. Uh, but there is going to be an election next year, and Orban's people are worried about losing it. So, you know. Yeah, but I think they've done some some uh, stuff by way of amassing uh, media power that yeah. would be alarming right. if it happened right. here. So, exactly. you know, elections and that. I mean, you could say the same thing about Putin. It, you know, it's like, well, like, he has elections. They may be counting the votes, honestly. Well, if you got that much control of the media... I, don't I think they're they're halfway between us and Putin. I don't think they're they, yeah. they don't murder their opponents. Uh, they don't imprison their opponents. Uh, I think there there is a, a much more realistic uh, chance that Orban's party could lose and that Putin's party will lose. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there is a, there are politicians who the mayor of Budapest running against them. There's an article in the Atlantic about him now. He doesn't sound like, oh, there's no way we can win. He sounds like he, there's an uphill battle. But uh, they, anyway, but the point is, why why is Tucker in love with Hungary? Okay, one possibility is that the left, that the right, has always been fascinated with Hungary. <laughs> uh, well, it's in a, he's an ethno nationalist. He's a, he's you know Orban the, is a is a Trump guy. I mean, sec- he's right, with authoritarian tendencies like Trump. The second thing is that they're 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 homogeneous state that doesn't like LGBT cultural politics. Uh, there's that. But my theory is it gives them a chance to sing the praises of somebody who's not Trump. It's an escape from Trump. They go over there and they praise Orban. They're not praising Trump. That is such a relief to people on the right. Not have to show your loyalty constantly to this madman in Florida that uh, that they're willing to do it. I mean, Orban's been trying to get Tucker to go there for years. Okay, why does he go now? Because he's fucking sick of Trump. Well, there was some foundation that, that I think hosted this that may have paid Tucker a lot of money too. Who knows? But look, it's easy to yeah, not talk about. <laughs> it, it, it's easy to not talk about Trump. Uh, I, I've I've gone long periods without it. You don't have to talk about Orban to do that. You don't even have to avoid Trump talking points. You don't so, have a show on Fox News, Bob. This just seems like far a far fetched theory to me. You have a show I, on Fox News. You have to talk about Trump. I, I think. Look, I'm sure Tucker likes the idea of becoming an international celebrity. It's a long-standing aspiration of Trumpists to weave together the world's ethno-nationalist, authoritarian-leaning peoples uh, into a into an iron, however ironically, international nationalist network. Um, and you know, Bannon tried it, and it's, it doesn't seem that puzzling to me. Um, um I guess I also see it as uh, an August phenomenon. It's it's August. He wanted a break, uh, so he takes a nice vacation to Hungary, and and, and he has to c- constantly keep himself in the news. It's 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 somewhat similar to JD Vance talking about uh, childless people. It keeps him in the news, and let's hope he drops it in uh, September. That's my theory about JD Vance is he's finding it increasingly hard to stay in the news, and that's why he says increasingly extreme stuff. But well, but we'll it see. doesn't hurt. He doesn't need to stay in the news. He needs to stay in the news in Ohio. I mean, well, he gets plenty of national press. What else press, is doing okay? that job for him? He needs local Ohio press, and are they paying attention? Or are the you know, I guess he 
it, it, it keeps him on cable news, so that's important for him. By the way, you know who else uh, Peter Thiel gave $10 million in Super PAC money to besides uh, J.D. Vance? Blake Masters? Yeah, Blake Masters in Arizona, who's also the COO of Thiel Capital and who also spends his time endorsing border control technologies that Thiel has a financial interest in. He's, a little item um, about that in this week's non-zero newsletter, today's non-zero newsletter. He, he's... um. He's a devotee of that. Who is that guy? There's one, one entrepreneur who's big on the border control technology. I assume that all these things don't work and that's why we need a wall. But, um, they may know, work. Teal and Blake Masters. Well, some of these are wall related. Some of these are like surveillance things you mount on a wall or something. Yeah. Okay. But, um, um any, anyway, Blake Masters has not gone in for the natalist jag though. Well, I'm glad you found something good to say about him. I was searching. I, the, the natalist jag isn't crazy, like I say. China cares about it too, uh, but I just you well, know, yeah, is it the most important problem facing America yeah. compared with the underclass, compared with the virus, compared with immigration lowering wages, so we turn into a caste society. Is the fact that we have 1.9 children instead of two per family is that the key thing facing America? No. It's a second order issue well, that I Republicans say, latch I, onto to show that they can be for affirmative government. I am a little troubled by, I've said this before, the number of millennials who say, gosh, with global warming, you just can't have kids. I just wouldn't do that to kids. Well, uh, I'll bet if you have them, they won't say, this is too much for me. I'm committing suicide. I'll bet they'll decide they'd rather be alive than dead. But Do you think millennials really say that? That's so insane. They absolutely say it. It's a real thing. It's among progressive millennials. Absolutely. Then I despair for my country. The millennials Well, that's are what totally I'm saying. Fun. So I'm glad we, you're on the pro-natalist bandwagon, Mickey. Child, 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 uh, I'm child on the tax millennial bandwagon. Child tax credit, baby. Um, if we hadn't had so many births among the millennials, we'd be in much better shape. <laughs> you mean if we hadn't, if not so many of them had been born? Yes. Well, I, I plead guilty. I was complicit in that. But, um, I'm, I'm perfectly happy with the ones I did bring into the world. The, uh, so we should go. It's been well over an hour. I said I would at least – so Eric Weinstein, just quickly, I want to talk about this more in the parrot room. I will say, uh, as you know, I wrote this piece, Is Eric Weinstein a Crackpot?, in which I concluded that I was not willing to apply that label to him. But I got to say he may force me – again, I got to say he may force me to revisit this question. So uh, he tweeted uh, – oh, damn it. Where is it? Oh. For those who know me as slow to anger, that remains true. But stalking, physical threats, impersonating my business to spread anti-Semitism misogyny, doxing, and taking my wife, my wife's work without attribution puts you in a different category, especially if you work at my email provider. Now that's a reference to Tim Nguyen, who I had, who works at Google who did a critique of Eric's uh, grand unified or whatever, his theory of everything, his physics theory, uh, who uh, who I had on the right show. Um, but uh, what else he says? Oh, damn, I, I, I didn't. Uh... Oh, here it is. This isn't a relationship between two people. I think he means between him and Tim. This is part of the same Twitter thread, I think. He says, it's harassment of a family by a jealous server of many people that thinks actively causing fear and loss is funny. 
I think server means Discord server. Anyway, and then he says, I'll show you. You'll wonder why I didn't say more earlier. Wish me luck. More to come. Love to all and thanks. So he's like, he's threatening a big reveal. I think he has sounded like he's threatening a lawsuit. Now, uh, I've learned about something about the substance of his allegations, which we can talk about in the parrot room, or at least I think I have. He's not going to sue you. I don't think so. I mean, it's true that I did title both my uh, newsletter piece uh, and the video uh, with Tim Nguyen is Eric Weinstein a crackpot? And that video continues to, it's like well over 50,000 views now. It's like, is, isn't your attitude bring it on? You need the publicity and there's a slap law too. There's a what? What's slap law? If somebody sues you, you can get money from them. I like that part. Uh, uh no, my attitude's not, not, I'm an innocent bystander. I don't think he, so far he's not sounding like I'm a primary target. He is sounding like uh, Tim Nguyen and, and 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 several other identifiable, uh, or at least one other identifiable person may be a target. Anyway, we can talk about that in we, the parrot room. Yeah, we can also talk about there's uh, there's an article by Vicky Ward about uh, with Epstein. some weird things about Epstein. I haven't read uh, it, but she's the Epstein uh, correspondent. Right. I, I have wanna... read it. Uh, we can talk about. Um, I have I have uh, contrarian, i.e., anti-right views on Biden's uh, reaction to this eviction moratorium uh, that um, are so conventionally liberal that I'm embarrassed. I'm embarrassed by them. Um, That's what we call bonus content. There's uh, why all this fuss about emperor penguins? We can talk about that. <laughs> I can't believe we can talk about the California recall. I thought I heard the worst program I've ever heard on NPR. California. I can name it. That's a high bar. Oh, I know it is. Uh, and um, I think that's it. Uh, Man. Okay. So I'm going to uh, – I am going to uh, talk about the oh. aforementioned Eric Weinstein – uh, I, I think I kind of covered what I was going to say about whether, uh, the vaccine selects for, uh, vax resistant viruses. Uh, I've, we had said we'd talk about documentary Muscle Shoals. Maybe we will. I didn't actually get, I've already seen it. I didn't get around to rewatching it, but maybe, did you watch it? No. So let's talk about okay, that. Okay. So that'll week. be the following week. Um, I have been listening to the best and the brightest, and and if I have time, I'll talk a little about that. The famous uh, book about how we wound up in Vietnam, uh, and then yeah, the the uh, the Weinstein. What else? Anyway, this is at patreon.com slash parrot room, um, and uh, that's where we are headed right now. Yep. That, that's posted late Friday, not long after this is posted. Yeah. Um- there was also a an, an attempt to actually censor some actual parrots. Censor I think we should talk about parrots. Yeah, no, that's of uh, central concern um, to all the roomies. And there's a, there's a number of uh, comments in the parrot room that I think deserve response. Yeah. The um, and then also you are at Kaus Mickey Twitter wise, and I'm at Robert Ryder. 
And people should rate and review the right show, I think, uh, you know, to, to, um, to ensure, to ensure a strong alternative media ecosystem. Don't you think? And, um, and I have a crazy, I have a, a theory as to why there has been no tea party yet. Well, there is a tea party. But why is there no, why has there been no grassroots movement against Biden the way there was against Obama? Oh. Well, God, I mean, they just got through four years of it. I mean, I mean, it's still, it's still there. I, well, we can argue about this in the parent room. That's not my theory. I almost don't un- even understand the question, but we'll get to that. We'll clear that up in the parent room. Um, okay. And, uh, so we will see you there, folks. Okay. Um, wait, where's the parent? Oh, yeah. When, I've lost the compl- You know, you still got tape on your head, Mickey. Thank you, Bob, for pointing that out. I may still have it next week. We'll see. That's possible. Either that or fewer neck okay. hairs. Okay. Well, instead of instead of the parrot, I will remove tape. Okay. That Isn't was... this an ESMR sound? The the sign of sound of tape being removed. Yeah. Do it one more time. And I I really uh, nothing I love more than a good ESMR. Sorry, what? Nothing I love more than good at ASMR or whatever the Yeah, well, are. I can't. I'm unable to generate it now. Anyway. Oh, okay. So I'll generate we'll do that some. later. Tss.